Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. Welcome to Marketing Today. I'm your host, Alan Hart, managing partner of Atomic, combining brand science and creative fire. Today on the show, I've got Bob Hoffman, author of Marketers Are From Mars and Consumers Are From New Jersey. He's on the show today as a best-selling author, speaker, and advisor, one of the most sought-after speakers on advertising and marketing today. And the Wall Street Journal calls him caustic yet truthful. Today, he takes us on a bleak and serious conversation about the state of the advertising industry and marketing as a whole and why clients and advertising firms just can't get it right. Hi, this is Bob Hoffman. I am an author, a speaker, and a uh, general pain in the ass. Well, Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Alan. It's nice to be here. Good. So now you're infamous, I believe, at least in my world, you're infamous. Is that right? Yes. yes, I'm glad to hear that. And prolific as well. But what I what I what I haven't heard as much about, to be honest, yeah. is is your background and my background. And so you know, where did you where did you first work, and and how did you get into this crazy world of advertising? Okay, well, I started as a teacher in New York City. I was a school teacher for about uh, three years, and I was the world's worst school teacher. I was just terrible. I have no patience, and I'm not nurturing. Just not that kind of person. Te- teachers, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Teachers, you know, are angels. They they are patient and they nurture. I, I, that's just not me. 
So I did that for about three years, and I um, I ran into a friend of mine from college, and I asked him what he was doing, and he said he was working in advertising. And I said, well, what does that mean? He says, well, you know, TV commercials, I, I write those things. And it had never occurred to me, honestly, that civilized people actually sat down and wrote. Somehow I thought they just <laughs> appeared on television. You know? I didn't know anyone wrote them. But, uh, and he said to me, and you know what? You'd be really good at that. I said, really? He said, yeah. And, you know, I, I just was, I hated teaching. So I said, well, what do I have to do? So he told me what to do to prepare a, uh, a spec book. And I did that. And he hooked me up with a lady in New York. At, in those days, her, her, uh, her name was Judy Wald, and she was like the guru. She put everyone everywhere. She was the creative um, executive recruiter, and she ran the world. So I went to see her, and she threw me out. She told me I'd never get a job in advertising, but I was, um, I was determined to try it. So I, I kept following up, looking at the want ads. And in those days in New York, the Village Voice was the uh, paper where you could find kind of different jobs, different kinds of jobs. And um, I found a job, uh, I applied for a job at Panasonic, the electronics company in their advertising department, and I got it. And I worked there for a couple of years. And then I moved out to San Francisco and got a job at a small agency and we built it up, and uh, eventually it became uh, the largest independent agency in San Francisco until Hal Reine came along and started his agency, and we soon were no longer <laughs> the largest. But yeah, that's how I got started in the agency business. Interesting. Interesting. So from teacher to making ads. Yes. Yes, it is interesting, I guess. Well, in some ways, maybe it's still teaching. I don't, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. I, it, well, it's shooting my mouth off, that's for sure. If that's what <laughs> teaching is, then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so you're out of the industry now. And, yeah. um, and most of the talks I've seen you uh, on, you, you make a point of saying, I'm out. And now I'm free to say what I think. So I'm curious, you know, top line, what's wrong with advertising today? Well, it's, it's hard to tell the truth in the advertising business today. There's kind of a low-grade McCarthyism going on. And you, you can't really, uh, for, for example, <clears throat> when, uh, when I left my agency, I was very suspicious about social media marketing as an effective marketing technique. But I couldn't really say it to my clients because they all believed in it. And in the agency business, in the marketing business in general, it's better if you want to hold on to your job and if you want to hold on to a client, it's better to be wrong within the normal range than right outside the normal range, okay? So the normal range in the advertising business, oh, social media is great and, uh, you know, it's going to change the world and it's going to replace advertising and... And so if you went against that, if your clients believed in that and you said, you know what, 
I think social media is mostly bullshit. Am I allowed to say bullshit, by the way, Alan? Yes. Yeah, you okay. can cuss. Yeah, we're okay. like cable here. Okay. Um, <laughs> if I said, you know, I think social media is mostly bullshit and is a waste of your time and money, I was going to get fired. So, so, so it's very hard to tell the truth. But now I feel like I can. And, you know, one of the problems is, um, you ask what's wrong with advertising today? One of the problems is it's become very corporatized. And, and the, the large corporations, they're investing in everything but creativity. They're investing in technology. They're investing in data and metrics. And, and, um, but they're not investing in creativity. And I think creativity is the real business of advertising. Everything else is um, it's necessary, but it's support to creativity. But I think creativity has become a support service now in most large agencies and not the focus of what they're doing. And I bet if you looked at the, uh, if you looked at the revenue of most of the very large agency holding companies, that their, their expenditure on creativity, on creative people, has actually gone down in the past decade, as opposed to their investments in technology and, uh, and metric and data and all that stuff, which, which have gone up. So advertising as a function is not on the right path, let's say. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think so. So let's talk about the advertising agency. You kind of okay. made reference there just a second ago um, about what they're investing in. Yeah, I would love to just kind of go down the f major functions, not all of them, but the major functions inside the agency and get your perspective. Okay. You know, what's, um, what do you see as the problem and maybe what the solution is? Okay, before we start that, let me make a disclaimer. Yes. I've been, <clears throat> I've been out of the agency business for four years now, and it changes very rapidly, and it has changed very rapidly. So what you know, if, if you're going to ask me about functions within the agency world, the, these are my perception, what I saw as I was leaving and what I see now or what I hear now as I, as I talk to people or as I read about the agency business. Okay. Sure. 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 Okay. So, you know, let's start with account management, the suits, yeah, so to speak. The suits. So the suits used to have an important strategic function, okay? Uh, but they no longer do as the result of the rise of account planning. So the strategic function of the suits has been uh, taken away from them and given to other people. And, and so what the suits have become, uh, they're kind of like meeting planners and calendar keepers and flowchart watchers. So good marketing people don't want to be agency account people anymore, I don't think. I'm sure, you know, there are some great ones, obviously. But as a, as a general rule, the, 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 the most important thing that the suits once did, they are no longer doing. And I think the result of that is that we're getting people into the suit function that aren't as, uh, you know, the, if you're a good marketing person, why do you want to work at an agency and keep track of meetings and, and keep track of, you know, calendars and stuff like that? Why don't you want to work for inside a, uh, a brand management environment and actually do marketing work? Right, right. Well, you know, I've heard it referred to as babysitting clients. 
Yeah. yeah. It, there's, a, there's a lot of that. And, you know, let's be honest, clients need babysitters. They're, you know, I, I'm glad when I was a creative director of an agency, I was always glad to have good marketing people to handle all the, you know, angry phone calls and the, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a necessary function it, and it's a sales function in a way. But I think the, the uh, strategic function was more interesting to good marketing people than, than the current function is. Well, that kind of leads us to the next function I want to talk about, which is either planning or sometimes I see it called strategy. And I, I, you know, I, I'm relatively new to, I've never been on the agency side before mm -hmm. and I, I've got a little peek into it now, but I don't understand the difference between planning and strategy groups. Neither do I. And one of, one of the, one of the things that struck me about planning when it first became such a hot topic in the agency world was that I could never get a straight answer from, or, or I could get a straight answer, but I could never get an answer that, that was in line with anyone else's answer about what exactly they believed in and what their, what their principles were. So when I would interview people for planning jobs, I would say, so tell what are the principles of planning? What are the principles of account planning? And uh, I never got the same answer twice. Everyone had a different version of what it meant, which, which led me to believe that it's not a real discipline. Something that's a real discipline has some principles attached to it, right? I mean, mathematics have principles attached to it and astronomy. Right. Have, and, uh, but, uh, but account planning, everyone had a different story about what they did. And so that made me suspicious. Then I started to look at the results of account planning. And, you know, this, this started in the late 80s, uh, maybe even earlier than that. And I was trying to look at that at campaigns that were created with the benefit of planning and those that were created without the benefit of planning. And if I could discern a difference, then I would say, okay, there's something here. But I couldn't discern a difference. And I couldn't, and as a matter of fact, over that period of time, it became a, a uh, kind of a a phrase in the agency business that advertising is becoming less effective. Well, how can advertising be getting less effective while we're implementing a new um, discipline that's supposed to make it more effective? So there was that contradiction to me. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that strategy isn't important in the, in the advertising world. It's very important. And I was always a stickler for strategy. But the question that I was always wrestling with was this, is strategy something that comes out of a strategy department or is strategy something that comes out of the smartest person in the room, whatever their title is? And my experience was that the best advertising strategies usually came out of the smartest person in the room, whether he was an art director or an or an, uh, an account guy, or a, um, or a research person, or a, uh, or a financial person. Smart people can, can create a, a scenario that leads to good strategy. And um, 
And I don't think there's a title, I don't think there's a department of smartness. You know what I mean? We're the smart <laughs> department. It, it, I, I don't think it works that way. So, so, the, so my, you know, in running my agency, my point of view was, yes, we had uh, strategists. Uh, I, we didn't, I don't think we called them planners. We called them brand strategy, director of brand strategy we had, I think. But, um, and, and she was very good. But sometimes the art director was better. And sometimes the copywriter was better. And usually the creative director was better. So I, you know, I, when, when I had to make a, uh, a strategic decision, it wasn't based on what the person's title was. It was based on how smart their strategy seemed to me to be. And that was the strategy we would go with. I love this notion of the smartest idea in the room should be the thing that becomes the strategy or the the source yeah. of the strategy. How can you argue with that? I don't understand. You, yeah, you can't. You can't. And I wonder yeah. if, if, you know, the advertising industry has kind of created its own problem by bifurcating all of these different functions you know you, you just sure it about, has right yeah sure it has it, it's created little niches and um and it's and there are there are so many myths floating around the agency business that like creative people are uh, wacky and they need to be you know we need to tamp them down well my experience was the best strategists and that and some of the best business thinkers I ever met in my life were creative, were people who were, quote, in the creative, creative people in the creative department. There are a lot of them who are brilliantly smart. Now, some of them are complete idiots, just like, <laughs> just like in any field. Right. And so, some you don't want anywhere near a strategy. But there are some who are brilliant and who's, who, who would come up with strategic ideas that you would never think of because they were outside the um, they were outside the normal range but they were brilliant so uh, yeah the, the agency business by by creating so many little niches and so many little um, cubby holes I think is doing itself a disservice now you consider yourself a copywriter is what I've read and, and yes seen. it's it's uh, it's what I call myself, and that's what I am. I mean, you know, I, through a series of uh, comic mishaps, I became CEO of a couple of agencies. But really, what I am is a is a copywriter. Yes. Well, so let's let's move into the creative department. You know, what yeah. do you what do you see is broken today there, and how can we fix it? Oh that? boy. Well, <clears throat> you know, I I do speaking all over the world, and when I do go to places I've never been before, and I talk to advertising and marketing people, I usually hear the same two things. I hear, one, advertising isn't as effective as it used to be, and two, advertising isn't as creative as it used to be. And I have a very hard time believing that those two things are not related. I think there, I think there is a general agreement among marketing and advertising people, that advertising creativity is not as good as it used to be. And this is, this is remarkable because we have so many more tools at our disposal, so many new media to utilize, so many new ways of communicating. And the fact that 
the creativity is not what it once was, is really a shame. And I think one of the reasons for that is the one that I mentioned earlier, and that is that agencies, particularly the very large agencies, are not really investing in creativity anymore. They're trying to compete with consultancies. They're trying to compete with data companies, and, and they're putting all their effort there. Now, there are still some brilliantly creative agencies. There's no question about that. There are some that are great. They tend to be the smaller agencies or small pockets within huge holding companies. But in general, I think the level of creative people that the agency world is getting has become lower. And I think one of the reasons for that is that creative people, particularly with the rise of digital media, have so many more options to do creative work than they used to. And so, <clears throat> you know, there was a time when if you were brilliantly creative, you, were, you became a fine artist, you became a painter or a playwright or something like that. If you were very creative, but maybe not brilliant, you became a commercial artist. You, you know, you did, uh, you wrote for television or you did other kinds of design, commercial design work. And then if you were good but not great, you went into advertising and you wrote copy or you became an art director. Now that's not to say that there weren't brilliantly A quality creative people in the advertising business. There were and there still are. But as a rule, I think those, those three levels were what, what existed. Now there's another level, which is digital media, which if you're a creative person, you're going to go into. And I think that is that has eclipsed advertising. So I think advertising is now fourth on the list if, if you're a creative person. And the result of that is um, we're not getting as many brilliantly creative people into the advertising world. The other thing is that as the advertising world has become more corporatized, there are more people sticking their noses and their fingers into your work. And, and there are 12 layers of approval that ha have to happen before anything gets on the air or is produced. And as a result of that, who wants to have to deal with that? If you work for a some kind of digital media company, they're working in real time. They're producing stuff today and putting it on their websites or their, uh, yeah, their, or, or YouTube tomorrow. And uh, I think that's more appealing to, uh, to creative people. Interesting. I was going to say, I mean, I think, I think you're right. Uh, the other thing, I know we're placing a lot of blame on the industry itself, but I think mm -hmm. clients bear a lot of this as well. Um, Absolutely. Clients have become very difficult to deal with. Uh, there are so many levels of approval, so many rounds of, of improving stuff. And generally, you're not improving stuff. You're just changing it. I used to tell some clients, you know, you can, you can approve this or you can disapprove it, but you can't improve it. D don't tell me how to make it better. E either you like it or you don't like it. But please don't do the writing and the art directing for me. And that's a tough pill for some clients to swallow. They don't want to hear that. So I think I saved your the last your favorite for last, which is okay. media. Media, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so. the media the media world is um, is ascendant. It, it it has become an obsession in the advertising business. Uh, the the advertising business spends so much more time on media than needs to be spent on it. I think, and and so many decisions are made based on media rather than on strategy or creativity. And I am not at all a fan of online media in particular. Um, it's not that I don't think online media can be effective. I think, we're, I think we're just using it wrong. And I think online media has become very short-term thing. You know, we, we've taken the, the highest aspiration, the highest achievement of advertising should be to build a successful brand. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But what we have turned online media, the highest achievement in online media is to generate a click, which is actually just about the lowest achievement you can go for. But that's what, that's what it's all focused on. It's very short-term thinking. There are very few non-web-based, non-web-native brands that have been built by online media. I think about it. We've had... We've had online media for 20 years and walk through the grocery store and try to find me a brand that was built by online media. I don't think you can. I haven't been able to. Walk through Walmart, walk through Target, walk through your, the biggest supermarket in your neighborhood and try to find a brand that was built by online media. Because online media has become electronic junk mail, okay? Uh, you know, we used to we we used to have uh, fill out the coupon now, uh, which we call junk mail. And then we had the eight dial the eight hundred number now, and that, and and now we have click now, right? right and right. and that's and it's just electronic junk mail. And and if if you look at the um, the genealogy of advertising there are in general there are two lineages okay there's the Madison Avenue lineage of advertising which is brand building and product focused and then there is the junk mail lineage which is click now eight dial this number now fill out this coupon now and we all thought that the web would be 
the the brand building lineage but it's not it's come from the junk mail lineage and i think that's uh, a terrible disservice to the medium which could be good i think i think it could be effective but i think it's mostly ineffective particularly uh display advertising well it's definitely the hardest bucket of money to ignore i guess if you're an agency executive right it's the biggest pot yeah stream coming in yeah, according to uh, the reports that I read, online advertising will surpass television advertising this year in total uh, revenue for, for the media companies. And uh, I have also read, and I don't know this for a fact, but some of the large global holding companies derive 40% of their media revenue from online media. So, of course, they're going to be selling it, right? They're going to be right. telling their clients how, uh, what magic it is. And uh, it's not magic. And, in fact, it's pretty corrupt. And the, the, the big problem, I think, with online advertising is ad tech. And I'm not going to go into a whole tirade about ad tech because it's very complicated and I don't want to put your listeners to sleep. <laughs> but, but ad tech has resulted in corruption, fraud, um, misuse of money, uh, and uh, ads winding up in places where you don't want them. You know, we just had reports this week of major brand advertising on jihadist websites and Nazi websites. And uh, so clients think they know where their online media money is going, but they don't. They don't know. They don't know what they're buying. They don't know where it's running. They don't know what they're paying, and they don't know who they're buying it from. And I think it's a very awful situation. And nobody seems to be too concerned about it, although the head uh, marketing guy from Procter & Gamble two weeks ago gave the, uh, gave the marketing industry a nice spanking, Mark Pritchard, right. for, it, for its irresponsibility in the online uh, media world. Right. I mean, it's, almost, it's, it's so corrupt, you've woken the sleeping bear, right? In, in I hope, <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the, you know, but the pro here's the problem. P&G is the world's largest advertiser, right? But compared to Facebook and Google, right. they're tiny. Yes. You know, Facebook and Google say, screw you, I don't care what you say. Look at my growth. Look, look how I'm growing. Why do I need you? You don't like what I'm doing? Too bad. Don't like it. So who knows what's going to come of this? You know, there was, there was a report this week that Facebook has taken it seriously and is going to allow third-party uh, monitoring and auditing of its um, of its highly suspicious uh, data and uh, metrics claims, which is uh, a step in the right direction. But it's there's so much that needs to be done to clean that mess up. So there's there's all these broken areas, if you will, of the agency model, and I'm just curious, you know, is it is it just a flawed industry? Do we need to blow it up and start over? You know, what, or, or if you were starting again today, you might not want to, but if you were, <laughs> how would you yeah. start? Well, the agency industry has changed dramatically in my lifetime. When I started in the agency business, it was an industry of entrepreneurs and craftspeople. So, so you would work at an agency 
and it would grow and get bigger and bigger and you would be an account person or you'd be a copywriter or you'd be a researcher or a media person. And after a while you'd get fed up and you'd say, these people are schmucks, I need to start my own agency. And you'd go out and you'd start your own agency and you, then you would go through that cycle where you would grow and you would grow and then the people who work for you think you're a schmuck and they'd start another agency. And, and that's how it grew with people who were real advertising people um, do, uh, creating entrepreneurial entities. Now it's going in the other direction. Now it is people who are not advertising people are consolidating all the agencies into huge holding companies. And they're being run by accountants and insurance guys and uh, financial uh, wise guys. And it's all very Wall Street. And as a result of that, the nature and the personality and the character of the industry has changed dramatically, I think. And um, can't, you know, if I were starting an agency, I would start the same way I did years ago, and that is to start small, to, to try to hire really smart people and build something that wasn't too big and that was uh, focused on the, um, the needs of the clients rather than the needs of the investors. But uh, that world doesn't exist anymore, so I don't know what you do. You know, in, 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 the, in the movie industry, you, you had a similar thing where big, you know, what started as small studios grew into huge studios, and you had just like four or five huge studios making movies, and then there started to be these production companies who kind of got, uh, who broke away from the huge studios. They used the huge studios to help them finance their work, but there became a lot of independent kind of movie production companies. And I'm hoping maybe that will happen in the agency business where we get a lot of independent agencies who can lean on the, uh, the large global agencies for financing, but will remain independent and not be uh, and not be subsumed by the global uh, agency giants. But I don't know. You know the way the way it's going now. It's pro that's probably not going to happen. Uh, what is going to happen is that the agency business, because it has lost its focus on creativity, is going to be uh, vulnerable to attacks from other kinds of businesses. You're going to see consultants doing advertising work, right. and you're going to see other kinds of uh, businesses getting into the ad agency's uh, world because they already have relationships with clients. They don't have the smell of corruption about them that the huge global agencies currently have, which, which they really need to shake off quickly or they're going to be in big trouble. I mean, people just don't trust that they're getting a fair, clients don't trust that they're getting a fair deal from agencies this, uh, these days, particularly after the report from the uh, Association of National Advertisers several months ago saying that, uh, what, what was the word they used? Uh, uh, they didn't say corruption. They said something else was pervasive in the mm -hmm. agency business. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Non-transparency was pervasive mm -hmm. in the agency business and that agencies were, uh, 
were um, screwing them on their contracts and, and taking well, taking advantage of, of some of the loopholes in the contract. So it's a, it's a business that I think is in, is in jeopardy. Unfortunately, there, is, there isn't much of a movement inside the agency business to reform it. All the movement to reform it is from outside. It's from clients. And uh, if the agency business was smart, and if the four A's, which is the agency's trade, the agency world's trade association, were smart, uh, they would start a reformist movement to clean it up. One question before we kind of start to wrap things up: You yeah. know, you talk about creativity, and yeah. and and that it, if if we were to get back to true creativity, we could you know drive impact and and marketing effectiveness and all those great outcomes for clients mm-hmm. and ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you? How do you define creativity or how do you think about it? Give a little bit more context to that. Well, the, one of the things that makes advertising such a fascinating business is that it's very hard to define those things. So like I know in my, in my personal career, I've, I did a lot of spots that I thought were wonderful and terrific and brilliantly creative and they didn't do shit. Nothing happened. <laughs> and, then, and then I did spots that were completely mundane because I had to. I knew what was required and expected. And they worked fabulously well, right? right so right. There's a, you can't draw a straight line between what you think is brilliantly creative and effectiveness. You can't. All you can do is likelihoods and probabilities. And the likelihood and the probability is that stuff that is, is creative, that, is, that, that people love, that's engaging, that is um, fun, is, is way more, I think, way more likely to be successful than stuff that is dull and dreary and expected. But it's only a likelihood. It's not a guarantee. You can't... You, you can never guarantee anything in the, or, you know, in any human endeavor, for that matter. There's no, in any human endeavor, there's no always and no never. I mean, if you tell me uh, people never eat glass, I can find you 100 people in, uh, in California who <laughs> like to eat glass, I guarantee it. So you, you can't do always and never. You can only do likelihoods and probabilities. And the likelihood is... That, that work that is creative, and by creative I mean it's either beautiful or it's funny or it's intelligent and, uh, and, and makes you think is likely to be more successful than stuff that isn't. Not to put words in your mouth, but things that make you think or feel. Yeah. 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 Or, or laugh. Or laugh. I, I, I happen <laughs> to be a... Uh, I happen to believe... And, you know, I think I'm the only person in the world who believes this, but I happen to believe that the, the, the number one attribute of successful advertising is silliness. <laughs> I, think, I think people love silly advertising. And I think that doesn't mean stupid. That means silly. Right. In, in right. other words, it, it's funny in a way that is childish and ridiculous. I think, the, to me, those are the, the ads that I have always loved the best and the ones that I think have been very, very successful. 
So what I want to do is step back and kind of understand you a little bit. You know, what what fuels you? What drives you personally? What drives me these days is um, trying to make marketers uncomfortable. That's what drives me. I think marketers and the whole marketing industry thinks it knows more than it really knows. And I like to point out all the soft points in it. That's what gives me, that's what's fun for me these days. I think we're, I think we're a little smug in what we think we know. And I think we need to be a little, uh, a little more modest. But, but we have developed such a dreadful vocabulary of cliches that, that we repeat one after another. And um, I, I hear it all the time. I, I, I go to, you know, I'm, I'm at these conferences all the time because I do a lot of speaking. And I, you know, it seems like you can become a marketing, you can become successful in marketing if you can memorize 25 vocabulary words <laughs> and, ten, and 10 cliches. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it ain't that simple. Marketing isn't that easy. You got to be really smart to be good at marketing, I think. And we've made it too easy. We've made it with these dreadful cliches and, and uh, so, so my, my objective is to make marketers uncomfortable, to, to get them out of their received wisdom and into thinking a little differently. All right. Well, you made me think of something in particular as a people watcher myself, right? And yeah. with the recent election last fall, I mean, you can be on one side or the other, but the one thing you notice is that we all got it wrong. Absolutely. Right? And, you know, I, can I give myself a pat on the back on this one? <laughs> yeah, go for uh, it. You know, I wrote a book. <laughs> I wrote a book uh, almost two years ago now called Marketers Are From Mars, Consumers Are From New Jersey. <laughs> and, and the theme, the, 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 the thesis of the book is that marketers have lost touch with the real world, that they're living in a dream world of their own invention. And if there's... If there's any proof of that, if there's any better proof of that than the most recent presidential election, uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, we, we do not under we think we understand, but we don't. Right, right. Well, and, and it's global. You know, you've got Brexit and uh, I think Greece is up next uh, to consider yes. that. And um, France. And right. I mean, uh, it's... Um, <clears throat> The the uh, a significant popula- uh, significant portion of the population is in a very rebellious mood, and uh, it may you know like you said you, your whatever your political points of view on that are, um, the, it it doesn't matter. The truth is is that that's what's happening, and right. uh, and we. Uh, in the marketing world, it's also happening in regards to what we are doing in our advertising. We have 600 million people in the world with ad blockers on their connected devices. 600 million people. This is, um, Doc Searles, a very brilliant guy, says this is the largest single boycott of anything in the history of humanity. And uh, what are we doing about it? We're doing nothing. We're doing more of the same. If anything, we're making it worse. 
So we need to come to terms with the rebellion that's happening against what we're doing also. Well, switching gears a little bit, you know, are yeah. there brands or companies or even causes, I'll give you a little out if you want, you think others should be taking notice of these days? Oh boy, I don't know. Cause, sure, there are plenty of great causes. I mean, um, we, we need we need to be very careful in in the United States. We have, you know, I don't want to pontificate on politics. We need to be very careful. We have, uh, you know, in the history of the world, there has never been a political system that has survived ever, not one. Uh, sooner or later, every government gets overthrown and replaced. And we somehow we think that we are immune to that because we're living in it. And I think every, every um, society during its reign thinks that it's immune to those forces of history. But I'm, I'm worried about that, and I think we need to make sure that the people who are living in poverty, the people who don't have a good chance at an education, the people who, who are forgotten uh, for racial reasons or for political reasons are, are heard and are helped because we don't want to be in the situation where our, our government is, uh, is shaky. And I'm afraid we're heading that way with a very, a very serious split in our, in our population. Now, in, in any, any organizations that are trying to, to do something about that, I think are worthy of our support and, and paying attention to them. I know that I just pontificated a little there, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> no worries, no worries. So last question. Yeah. What do you think the future of marketing looks like? Maybe maybe what do you think it looks like? What, what would you like it to look like as well? Okay. What I would <laughs> like it to look like <laughs> is nothing like what it's going to look like. I think what it's going, the future of marketing is pretty much more of the same, only worse it's going to be more intrusive. It's going to be more um, based on annoying the individual rather than entertaining or delighting or influencing the population as a whole. I think the more and more we're getting toward um, precision targeting, the more and more marketing is becoming junk mail. And in, in the case of the web, electronic junk mail. And I think that we're, gonna, we're just going to see more and more of that as, uh, as ad tech and marketing tech uh, grow. And I am hopeful that the privacy issues that, that these kind of technologies raise will be dealt with on a governmental level, that someone in a responsible position somewhere is thinking about what the marketing industry has become and what and how much of our privacy and how much of our personal liberties are at risk because you know i wrote i wrote an article for what was that ad, ad week i think it was uh, seven years ago in 2010, and it was called Big Brother Has Arrived and He's Us. And, and I'm afraid that I was right. And I, <laughs> I, 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 
I really think there's a danger here that the marketing industry is going too far into our personal lives. Mm, that's I'm, a, I'm, a fu- I'm a fun guy, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking I need a drink in my hand right now. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, the, well, I think you're chipping away. I think you're chipping away. And I'll tell you why. I did a, you know, a very scientific poll to one of my friends in, yeah. a, uh, in, a, in a head brand role at a large financial institution to be rena- remain nameless. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, where do you get your news these days on marketing issues? And I have to tell you, the number one response was your blog. Yep. Wow. That's and amazing. I, and I said, really? 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 Bob? The ad contrarian. <laughs> and he said, yes. And I said, well, where does ad age rank? He's like, I guess they might be second, but I don't check them every day. <laughs> wow. That's great. I love so, that. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. But, so it's very scientific, I realize. One friend. Yeah. But, but... Oh, no. That's, that's a sure thing. That's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that that's research baby yeah that is research that is yeah. research so well thank you for coming on the show my pleasure thanks for having me planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 